Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Tuesday, April 12th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the state insurance commissioner discusses a change to the Affordable Care Act in an executive order signed by President Biden. And a new exhibit at the Mississippi Museum of Art explores the Great Migration. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi's investment in universities isn't paying off economically. That's according to State Auditor Shad White. He tells us in a new report from his office that it shows recipients of Mississippi degrees don't often translate into long-term residents of the state. We're only keeping about one out of every two of those graduates. Uh, that's, that's concerning for me as State Auditor because we spend a lot of money on public education in Mississippi. We estimate, even with just using a conservative estimate, we estimate that between 2015 and 2018, the state's taxpayers spent somewhere between $1.5 and $2 billion on higher education in Mississippi. But the product out of that system, the students who graduate from the public universities, are not staying here, uh, except to say that about half of them are staying here and, and half are going somewhere else. So I think really we have to take a hard look at this issue here in Mississippi, and, and we have to acknowledge the brain drain, the loss of these talented, skilled young workers is going to affect everybody pretty soon. I mean, it's going to mean that the grandparents grow old not knowing their kids or their grandkids because their kids have moved to Nashville or New York or California or somewhere else. It's going to mean that nurses are at a shortage. They're going to mean It's going to mean that doctors are not as plentiful as we will need to take care of our elderly population in coming years. It's going to mean that we don't have the entrepreneurs or the skilled workers to build businesses here or attract businesses here. It's going to affect everyone in some kind of way, and, and we thought in the state auditor's office that it was important for taxpayers to know how much it's costing us and, and to put some data on this problem that is going to be with us for some time unless we get serious about addressing it right now. I notice that in the report it says there are certain careers that people are most graduates are most likely to stay and work in Mississippi. That's preschool education and teaching. Mm-hmm. 
a lot of teachers, um, dental hygienists, social studies, again, teaching, mostly teaching, child development, nursing, so healthcare and teaching. Right. Right. When you look at the, the majors that are most likely to stay in Mississippi, we see a lot of education-oriented majors, and we see a lot of healthcare-oriented majors. And, and when you look at the majors that are least likely to stay, you're seeing general business degrees, chemical engineering, philosophy degrees. Uh, some of those degrees you think, well, maybe we don't have that much of a market for philosophers here in Mississippi, and, and if somebody's majoring in philosophy, maybe there's not a natural fit at a Mississippi business where they could go and work. But by the same token, if you really drill down and look at some of these other majors that are leaving, so computer engineering, chemical engineering, general business degrees, I talk to business owners every single day that say they are desperate for those kinds of folks to come and work at their Mississippi businesses I just don't think that our universities are doing enough to link up graduates to these Mississippi businesses who need the help. And, and two, I don't think that we're doing a good enough job as a state of explaining to graduates who are finishing up their Mississippi degrees all the advantages of staying in Mississippi. I know for, for me personally, I left after graduating from the University of Mississippi, but I came back a few years later Every time I get in front of an audience of young people, I say, look, consider staying here, or if you leave, consider coming back, because in a few years, you're going to really uh, start to worry about, okay, well, how close am I to family if I want to start having kids, and, and am I going to be close enough to my parents or other caretakers to, to help me live a good, balanced life, be able to care for my kids, but also have a good career? How much is it going to cost for me to buy my first home? How much of my how much of my time am I going to spend in a car commuting? I have, I have friends who live in Atlanta who spend at least an hour one way every day commuting to work and, and back again. So these are the kinds of things that we need to be telling young people to think about and explaining to them as they're, as they're debating about where to go because far too often I think we see our universities just say, well, look, if you want to go to Dallas or Nashville, that's great, and here are the high-paying jobs that you can get there. And, and they don't explain the potential downsides of, of going there. They also don't live up to their, their mission as public universities. Public universities have an obligation to make the state a better place, and I can't imagine anything that they could do better to make Mississippi a better place than to keep Mississippi homegrown talent here after they graduate. So you're saying basically we're not reaping a return on our investment. That's exactly right. I mean, if if you know we uh, <laughs> if we were running a business right now, and I decided, you know what, I need to go buy ten new cars, and uh, because our business needed ten new cars for for employees to move around and make sales, and I went out and bought ten cars, but then on delivery day only five showed up, I would not be happy with it. <laughs> That's what we've got going on here in Mississippi right now. We're paying for we're paying for a lot of people to graduate Mississippi universities. Taxpayers are shelling out to finance those public universities, but we're not getting to keep the work product. And we've got to think really hard about what that's going to mean for the future of our state and how we can reverse that. Okay, thank you for that. Um, in terms of talking about TANF, I understand that you cannot discuss the case in any depth, um, but we're seeing it in media reports and more and more information is coming to light what element can you share with us about your investigation into the TANF embezzlement at all? Nothing. Uh, so there's a court order, uh, two different court orders 
done by two different judges in state court that state that parties to that case cannot discuss the case at all, so I can't discuss the case at all. That welfare fraud case involves former Mississippi Department of Human Services Director John Davis, who allegedly misspent welfare funds. A new investigative series from Anna Wolf of Mississippi Today examines the proximity of former Mississippi Governor Phil Bryant to the case. Auditor White, who was appointed by Bryant, identified the former governor as having tipped the auditor's office off to the alleged fraud. Coming up, the state insurance commissioner discusses a change to the Affordable Care Act recently proposed by President Biden. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing a doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. A new exhibition at the Mississippi Museum of Art opened this past weekend. It features a dozen artists' work that explore African Americans' historical and enduring connections to the South. Ryan Dennis is the museum's chief curator and artistic director. A Movement in Every Direction, Legacies of the Great Migration is an exhibition that really kind of opens up the narrative around the historic phenomenon that was the Great Migration. So um, it is a a commission of 12 artists um, who are featured in the show um, that um, really speaks to understanding their ties to the South through painting and sculpture, film and and sound, and um, really amplifies these kind of meditations on ancestry and place and self-determination agency, uh, while kind of, again, I think expanding how we've come to understand the Great Migration. So typically when we talk about the Great Migration, it is one that has this kind of unilateral movement right from the south to the north and um, through conversations that we've had with our artists and through research we've come to understand that the great migration had you know a lot a lot of movement in in the south like in between cities or towns that we're kind of thinking about as intramigrations and so this exhibition is this really beautiful um presentation of um, that's informed by research and exploration and conversations around perseverance and self-determination reliance and um, and the the kind of impact of of a movement um, from the past and its impact of today I know mom by you I don't know if that fits into the category of what you're talking about was settled by African Americans uh, former slaves. I mean, I think that, you know, examples of Blackdom or Tulsa and communities like Fourth Ward and and Houston, um, these kind of settlements, right, are are examples of um, of a kind of expansive of a narrative in ways that were. Um, informed by movement within the Great Migration, thinking about an artist like Robert Pruitt, who is from 
parts of Louisiana, but his family is from Texas and has deep ties to a neighborhood like Fourth Ward. He talks about um, Fourth Ward as this kind of central space for resources and, and again, a kind of how do we rely on ourselves to continue to kind of build up for, you know, for future. Um, And he does this through a kind of large-scale drawing of 17 uh, individual or uh, 17 figures that are really kind of collapsing time thinking about the kind of creation of HBCUs and their and their influence um, to religion to church and all of these kind of social networks that were also formed through moving through kind of the great migration and a period of time during say 19, the early part of the 20th century into the 1970s. I was looking in there was one that was considered a reverse migration, leaving Maryland. Jamia Richard Richmond Edwards returned to her ancestral home in Bolton, Mississippi. So she is still uh, making her journey back to Bolton, but she has recently purchased land in Bolton. Um, her um, exploration within uh, this exhibition is via a triptych painting. It's the largest painting for her to date, and it expresses a kind of um, it expresses the um, the need and importance of land ownership. So her family owned land in Mississippi. Uh, that land was taken through, you know, policy, um, but also. Her family was deeply impacted by the Mississippi flood in 1927 and and the kind of um, massive tornado in Arkansas around the same time. And so, you know, they left the South and moved to um, Detroit, which is actually where she is was born. But um, she and her, her family are, you know, from the Southern, um, from Mississippi and um and as you say, is making a return back to the South. She has understood the kind of the idea that um, there were more um, opportunities and less hardship in the North was not was not necessarily true Nirvana. For her family. Yeah, exactly. It was not necessarily true for her family and many families. It's just that again, I think the way that we've come to understand the Great Migration and the way that it's been shared in a kind of historical understanding is that, you know, the North was also very challenging for black folks, um, uh, coming from the South. But there was also a lot of, you know, agency and you know, perseverance and determination that black folks were setting for themselves if they decided to stay in the South and go from, say, a smaller city in the South to a larger city in the South. Um, And so we're just opening that conversation up a bit. How long does this exhibit last? Yeah, the, the, the exhibition will last until September 11th. It will be on view here at the Mississippi Museum of Art. And then it will travel to the Baltimore Museum in the fall of 2020. Uh, and luckily, we have great kind of support from institutions across the country because it will travel to the Brooklyn Museum and, and then it will go to the California African American Museum in Los Angeles. And so we are really excited about the range of conversations that this exhibition will open up. That's art curator Ryan Dennis. The exhibition, A Movement in Every Direction, Legacies of the Great Migration, is now open at the Mississippi Museum of Art.
Still ahead, the state insurance commissioner discusses a change to the Affordable Care Act recently proposed by President Biden. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. President Biden last week rolled out a plan to improve health care coverage in the U.S., including a proposed fix to the Affordable Care Act's so-called family glitch. That potential rule change is a bit complex, but it could have implications for millions of Americans, including Mississippians. Mike Cheney is the state's insurance commissioner. Well, a family glitch, uh, I guess the best way to explain it would be that you have to you have to pay more if your family's on when the glitch goes away. Uh, that's about the best way to explain it in simple terms. It's very complicated. It sounds it. Um, now, I understand you can get the ACA even if your employer offers insurance if the fees for the insurance are more than 10%? The, the deal is you, if you, your employer provides you with insurance and the cost of the insurance is more than 10% of your base salary, then you qualify to purchase the ACA plan, lower plan. But a lot of people are left out apparently because they can purchase it, but they can't get it for their family? Is that what's happening? That's correct. If They can purchase the insurance on the ACA, but they couldn't add their family members to the uh, policy. So when the ACA executive order was issued uh, during the pandemic, uh, when the, that executive order goes away, then we revert back to the old ACA rules and regulations. And what President Biden did on this past week was to issue an executive order directing the federal agencies to continue doing everything in their power to expand the ACA and health care. And that included making it easier for people to enroll and keep the coverage, helping people better understand their coverage options so they can pick the best one for them and strengthen and improve the generosity of benefits and improving access to health care providers. And uh, several other things, such things as in continuing to make health coverage more accessible and affordable by expanding the eligibility and lowering the cost for those people that have ACA, Medicare, or Medicaid coverage. So you connect people to the health care services for providing access to health care providers, and that includes hospitals here in Jackson and all throughout the state of Mississippi, and linkage between the health care systems and communities to help uh, those people in Mississippi with health-related needs find a hospital or a provider. That's a long way to explain something that I could just say it made it easier for people to enroll and find a provider. So before this, my question is, were families able to enroll in the ACA, or was it just individuals that enrolled? Well, you could enroll, but you uh, after the executive order was signed, you could enroll the families, but it's hard to enroll them uh, based upon some of the criteria that uh, are on the plan. So what 
the president has done with his executive orders to try to make it easier to enroll the family members. So let's say that um, you're a working uh, person and you're uh, single and you have two children and you want to add them to the ACA. It's pretty hard to do, but under the new order, you can add those children to the ACA. And let's say that you have a spouse uh, and they do not have coverage in their workplace uh, you can now add them on the ACA. It makes it easier to add that uh, spouse on who does not have a job, or they may be transitioning between jobs. Okay. On a separate issue, is there anything you can tell us about um, the Blue Cross Blue Shield issue at UMMC and how it will impact Mississippians? Well, I, I can tell you that we're optimistically hopeful cautiously optimistically hopeful that the Blue Cross Blue Shield and the University of Mississippi issue will be worked out. And for the consumers that will listen to what I'm saying, uh, the University of Medical Center has determined that uh, they will not be in the network with Blue Cross Blue Shield beginning April 1 of 2022 due to the reimbursement rates that Blue Cross pays. The University Medical Center and their health care providers that work for them, that's doctors, and uh, nurse practitioners and PAs, and until that's resolved, uh, people that have Blue Cross Blue Shield are not in the network with the University of Mississippi Hospital. But the patients can still go to the University Hospital. They would be billed direct by the University Hospital, and then they would have to apply back to Blue Cross Blue Shield if they have Blue Cross Blue Shield insurance and have Blue Cross Blue Shield pay them, and they, in turn, once they got their money, would be obligated uh, to some degree morally to pay the University Medical Center. It's not they don't have to pay them, but uh, certainly we would hope they would. Uh, that's something that we worked out to ensure that people could still have access to health care at the University Medical Center if they have Blue Cross Blue Shield. Uh, as far as the network provisions and the reimbursement rates, I, I have no comment to make at this time, and it would be inappropriate for me to do so. Um, we are regulators, and uh, we do not control the networks uh, because the statutory laws in our state uh, prohibit us from doing so. What about state workers? Does that include them as well in that the, stipulation? Mississippi has about 97,000 state workers, and uh, those workers have dependents on those state plans. So you have roughly between 195 to 205 thousand people on a state plan at any given time. It fluctuates a little bit every month because people get jobs or they move or or lose their coverage. So the state health plan is not affected by the University of Mississippi and Blue Cross dispute. If you have the state health plan in Mississippi, you can still go to the University Medical Center. And the confusion that exists in a consumer's mind is this. Blue Cross Blue Shield is a third-party administrator for the state of Mississippi, but it has nothing to do with the networks or who a patient can see. They just administered the plan for the state. Mike Cheney is Mississippi's insurance commissioner. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Stick around for a full morning of Mississippi Radio. Coming up at 9, it's Money Talks. At 10, it's in legal terms. And at 11, don't miss Southern Remedy. I'm Desiree Frazier. Join us tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi Edition, only on MPB Think Radio.